You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. everybody, it's episode 162 of the Pimp Crown Warhammer Podcast. I am the aforementioned Pimp Crown. We are brought to you today by our Patreon patrons and GameMat.eu for all of your pre-painted terrain and your neoprene game mat needs. Yeah, that's what they sell, believe it or not. GameMat.eu sells game mats. Uh, event 10 is the code. 10% off your order. Go do it. Love it. Cherish it. Um... What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about my farewell to writing articles about Warhammer. Yes, where have all the cowboys gone? I don't even, I have no idea why I just said that. But we are talking about me quitting articles after seven years and the highs and lows of that and why I think kind of the whole industry of that is going down a bit. And also, not in a salty way. I'm not saying, like, I left because of this. No, I, I left for other reasons, but you'll you'll hear that in that segment. We're also talking about Sergeant Castus, the free Space Marine that you can get for ordering on their website. And what else are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Derek writes in and talks about how he thinks the Stormcast book has some issues, the new Stormcast book. So that's what we're talking about. You know, this is getting towards the end of my season, and hallelujah, praise the Emperor, praise the uh, Satan, praise the Chaos Gods, praise the Eldari. I am so happy. So this week at the club, I played uh, with my friends James, Derek, and Trevor. Me and Derek teamed up, and James and Trevor teamed up, and... We just, knew, Derek and I, Derek was playing demons, just straight up cast demons, and I was playing Gene Stealer Cult, versus just James's Necrons and Trevor's Space Wolves. So, I'm sure both of you probably know that Space Wolves and Necrons have brand new 9th edition codexes, and cast demons and Gene Stealer Cult do not. Not to mention, they are far more resilient than Gene Stealer Cult or demons. And so you could probably guess that we did not win our game, which is we went into it knowing that we would not win our game, but we were going to try our hardest. And you know what? F you. We actually did win our game by two points, four points, something like that. It was very, very close, but we ended up winning by under five points. It was that close, under five points, but we did actually pull off a win. I was very, very proud of our demons and our gene stealer cult. And we're playing 8th edition codexes versus 9th edition codexes. And let's face it, Gene Stealer Cult and Cast Demons are not real high power to begin with. So I was pretty excited that we were able to pull that off. And then, believe it or not, believe it or not, uh, one of my daughters had a birthday party last night. And uh, my house was full of screaming children. So my wife was like, hey, why don't you have someone over to play Warhammer because... Um, that'll get you out of the house. So, um, we went, I had just James come over and I played my gray Knights borrowing up my friend TJ's codex. This is the first time I've played gray Knights in ninth edition, uh, with the ninth edition codex. I mean, and a versus James's sister to battle, which he just got that book. So both of us were a little, not completely, um, not completely up on our codexes. We had already read through them, of course, but we hadn't studied them. So it took us like four hours to play a 1500 point game because there's so many stratagems and so many psychic tides and all that nonsense. 
But um, my Grey Knights did pretty darn well. And by about middle of the game, I had put a serious dent into his army, and he had not really hurt my army that much. And I was thinking, we were both thinking, because we discussed it in the middle of the game, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to eke out a win on this one. I think you're slowly dwindling. And he's like, yeah, I agree, blah, blah, blah. But we continued playing, because, you know, anything can happen. But I pretty much, 70% chance I had this game in the bag. And sure enough, at the end... We had an upset score because just James won by two points. By two points, he beat me. And that was a very, very tight game. Now, I almost, I came relatively close to tabling him. He still had Celestine and he had Repentia in a Rhino. And he had like five Battle Sisters, something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot. And I had over half my army left. Um, which is shocking for Grey Knights because usually they die pretty quickly. But the extra wound really helps them. And always being in cover from one of the Psychic Tides really, really helps them. So I uh, I had a blast. So did he. Both of our games this week. I've act- That's actually twice I played against him this week. And um, both of those games were upsets. I just knew he was going to win the first game. And I ended up winning. And the second one I was pretty sure I was going to win. And then he won. So fun, fun times. You know what actually cost me the game, and I love to do this whenever I can. One of my secondary... So, he beat me by two points. One of my secondary objectives um, was Line Breaker. And on the second turn, I moved and ran my Rhino into his deployment zone. But I only rolled a three to run. So I only partially got into his deployment zone. If I would have rolled a 5 or a 6 to run, that would have given me line breaker for that turn because I already had a unit in his deployment zone. And that would have scored me 4 points, which would have actually made me win the game. And this is kind of a teachable moment for everybody that it's really fun when a game is really tight to look back and see the single roll. In this case, it was a single run roll that cost me the game. A one dice roll. That's pretty nuts, to be honest with you. Uh, because Linebreaker, I have to be completely in his deployment zone, holy. And I was like two inches out of his deployment zone. So if I would have rolled just a little bit better, or, you know, chosen to re-roll it or whatever. But I was thinking to myself, eh, you know, I'll just get it next turn. It's not a big deal. And uh, that actually cost me the game. That moderately less than average uh, run roll did. So I think that's that's pretty interesting, to be honest. That's That just goes to show that you never know what role is going to be crucial to you winning or losing your game. Also, before I move on, mad props to my Primus, my Gene Stealer cult Primus. I gave him, um, I forget what it's called, the the Void Eye or whatever. It's like a, a bone sword, but it's like a special bone sword. You reroll a hit, reroll a wound, and it's, I think it's D3 damage and all this stuff. It's a better bone sword. And he completely wrecked house. I cannot believe he actually, he's going to get battle honors because I have never had a Primus do a whole heck of a lot ever. And he ended up killing a... Um, wolf, uh, wolf lord. He killed a wolf lord in close combat. Now he didn't do all the damage to it, but he ended up murdering it. 
And he ended up doing a ton of damage to the, I'm going to mess up the, the term, the not gray hunters, because they're troops, right? The elites of Space Wolves that can, not long fangs, I don't think, that can take all Thunderhammer and Storm Shield. It's, it's basically like they're Vanguard veterans, but I can't think what they're called. Maybe they're just Vanguard veterans. But either way, um, Trevor took a whole 10-man squad of Storm Shield, Thunderhammer uh, veterans, Vanguard veterans, or whatever that unit is. And um, with my D3 damage, with my like four attacks, reroll to hit, reroll to wound, minus two, something like that, and um, uh, D3 damage each, boy, I, I killed four guys in one turn. Four dudes with the, with the Primus. I hit everything, I wounded everything, and he failed everything, and then I rolled a two or higher for every single person. That was just, dude, I'm going to paint up a Space Marine, a Space Wolf helmet, and put on the base of that Primus, because that was just awesome. I, I don't usually have that much awesomeness come from one character. And he also survived the whole game, too. He was He was a real beast. So, anyway... Uh, remember to check out my YouTube channel, uh, Pimcron TV on YouTube, because I'm doing twice weekly uh, sketches and things like that. It's all comedy and it's all just goofiness, but I think they're pretty funny, so you should check them out. And please share or subscribe or whatever, and especially comment. As you'll hear in my last segment uh, tonight, is the reason why I do any of this is for the interaction between you guys and me, because I love the interaction. So. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show, and let's get on to the next thing. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. This is the Tesseract mailbox, and we have a letter from Derek. It's at pimpcron at gmail.com with two Ps, and you can also reach me at facebook.com slash pimpcron with one P. He writes... Pimpcron, generally speaking, our gaming group has a healthy love for AOS and many, myself included, are enjoying it more than 40k currently. Having played 40k since 3rd edition and only having a mild liking to the old Warhammer, I find this sad. I love the character of the armies much more and it feels more grand with the big monsters and larger than life characters in AOS, which makes it more interesting to me. I found myself seeing 40k level disappointment when looking over the new Stormcast 3rd edition units. It felt very Space Marine or vanilla. New units that were noticeably better than old ones for what seems clearly for the sake of buying the new shiny model. Case in point, the Storm hosts are watered down to only give a single, sometimes, army buff. No specific traits or abilities with some unit changes. What made this very pointed was the command trait that gives all monsters in the army minus one to wound pretty solid uh hold on just a second i'm stopping this what made this very pointed was the command trait that gives all monsters in the army minus one to wound so i'm not sure what he's talking about here he's either saying minus one to be wounded or it's giving them plus one to wound but he says minus one to wound i'm not sure Pretty solid. However, when I started looking at the units, I found something interesting. Most of the old mounts were not monsters, just the new dragon mounts. The Dracoths, Dracolines, and Griff Chargers were not included. The trait is even called Master of the Celestial Menagerie... M Menagerie... Oversight or encouragement for buying the new product. 
I would certainly consider a fire-breathing Drakoth a monster. These are just my ramblings. Later, Derek. Okay, so essentially what he's saying is, is the new Stormcast book has all of these new dragon people in there, right? But even the smaller dragons are still considered behemoths or monsters. And the Drakoths, Dracolines, Griff Chargers, all of the larger-than-normal mounts are not considered monsters. And uh, he just thinks it's because they've got some buffs in the book that are now buffing monsters specifically. And uh, he's just basically saying that they, they, um, they're doing this just to sell models. And I, I don't doubt that for one little bit. And I mean, you once again, as always, I say you can't blame them for trying to sell models for crying out loud. And I know you're not, Derek. But it does kind of rub you funny sometimes, doesn't it? Where you're like, oh, this new stuff. Okay, it's got you know, it's got uh, features that the old ones don't, even though they may be similarly sized or whatever. And, uh, the you know, I have not actually seen the new Stormcast book for 3.0, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but I do know that um, Stormcast still do feel like Space Marines a lot, because, by God, they've got, what did, I think somebody said 80 War Scrolls? 80 War Scrolls in one book? I mean, probably Space Marines have more than that, but that's a ton of War Scrolls, to the point where at some point you wonder if they're going to break them off into something else, kind of like um, Slaves of Darkness has done. They've taken some things and split them off into Blades of Corn and, and other things. So I'm curious to see if that's what they're going to do or not, but I definitely understand the love for Age of Sigmar over 40k, because I have found 9th edition to be quite cumbersome. Now, Having said that, I am personally experience, uh, experiencing a bit of a um, renaissance in my love for 40k, believe it or not. After, I mean, it's been over a year since 9th edition's been out, and I'm just now getting around to seriously playing 9th edition 40k with 9th edition rules, because I've been so off-put by it. And um, I know I've already mentioned this um, previously in the show, but... Uh, when I was playing Just James, I'm sitting there, and I was playing Grey Knights, and he's playing Sisters of Battle, and the amount of rules, just the sheer amount of rules, and the four pages of stratagems, and all this, I'm like, oh my god, I can't even, like, this is just, this is too much. Um, and it, it took us forever to play a very simple game together, because uh, we only played 1,500 points, and it took forever, because the rules are so complicated and intricate and all that, and both of us hadn't, you know, fully read our codex before the game. I mean, we both looked over them and we made our lists and all, but there's so many things to remember and so many things that could be off. But, um, so I actually am slowly finding my love for 40k again after a year of, of not playing it that often, and if I did, then we didn't use secondary objectives, and, you know, we weren't playing fully 9th edition. And this is the first time I'm even using a 9th edition codex, practically. Um, I borrowed just James's Space Wolves codex a couple weeks ago. And that was the first time I actually used a 9th edition codex. So, I'm warming to it. I am. But I definitely do agree with you, though, Derek, that um, it's very obvious sometimes when they come out with new stuff, it's just flat out better than the old stuff. Want that or want that not? 
All right, this is Want That or Want That Not, and today we are discussing Sergeant Castus. If you don't know who Sergeant Castus is, this is the free, <laughs> quote-unquote, <laughs> free um, Space Marine Sergeant that is the one millionth celebration for the one millionth customer served on their website at Games Workshop. Now, naturally, he's a Space Marine Intercessor Sergeant, and he's got a pretty neat pose, to be honest with you. Let's let's talk about the model first. The model's got all sorts of battle damage and claw marks on him, and to be honest, it's a pretty cool-looking model. He's got a chainsword and a bolt gun. He can also have a plasma pistol. There's also a helmeted version and an unhelmeted version. And uh, he's... He's a pretty cool-looking model. I mean, I don't really care for his unhelmeted version, to be honest. I'd keep the helmet on. But essentially, he's on this base. Um, I can't really tell what it is. I think it might be a 50-millimeter base or something. And there are Necrons. There's one dead Necron underneath his feet. And then there's two Necrons that are like coming out of the ground and reaching for him. And shockingly enough, he's not actually targeting them at all. He's like shooting something off-camera. But... The battle damage on him is quite nice looking. I do have to give them credit for that. And I'm just I'm just so happy it's not a lieutenant, to be honest with you. It's an actual sergeant. You can take him. Uh, I don't know what his base size is. Like I said, it probably is in the description. But you know what? I'm stupid. Um, can't find it in his description at all. So, I don't know what he is. But the point is, it's a very cool, very unique pose. And it's got the little diorama with the Necron Warriors, and I think it's a fantastic model. The interesting thing about this is that you can't flat out buy Sergeant Castus. And, you know, normally in this segment we discuss the price of things. And you cannot buy him. Technically, you buy him for 240 USD. And what I mean by that is that he comes free, quote unquote, in your order uh your online order from their website of at least $240. And I am very mixed about this. If they would have just set him at 50 bucks or something. He's a special model, fine, F it. Get just set him at 50 bucks. Okay, I don't even care. And then you'd sell X amount. But when you do the $240 thing, I can't really tell if that's a worse deal or it's a better deal. I guess technically speaking, you know we're going to spend $240 at Games Workshop at some point. And if you don't have to buy them for... Okay, so if you could just buy it straight up buy them for 50 bucks, right? then you would spend the 50 bucks and then you'd still ultimately end up spending 240 more dollars on other stuff down the line. So if you just spend $240 right now, you get him for free. You know what? That's that's an okay deal. I don't think it's fantastic or anything, and honestly, they don't owe us anything. I keep saying that, people keep forgetting that Games Workshop does not owe you anything. Uh, they owe themselves the goal of keeping you happy because they keep selling models but that's really a self goal that's not like something that they owe you it's a kind of a weird concept but the point is 
It's a really cool looking model. I love the idea of the little diorama. I love the Necrons coming out. I love his battle damage. I love the idea that he actually has two weapon options, either a bolt gun or a plasma pistol. Very cool. I love that he's got a head option swap. Um, I really have nothing bad to say about this model. It's got some motion to it. It's got some action to it. Nice little diorama. I love it. Being that you can't actually buy it, I guess that ends up being a net positive because you get him and you're probably going to spend $240 anyway. So who who are we really kidding here? But anyway, so this would be a want that for me, although I am not going to jump on the website and spend $240 on him. I just, I don't think so. Now, do you think, one last, one last thought here, that his name is General Castus, right? And it's celebrating the fact that you buy models from their website. And they cast the models. Well, technically they don't cast the models. But they essentially cast the models. And his name is Sergeant Cast Us. Are they going for a bad pun here? I don't know. I'll let you be the judge whether they're going for a bad pun. But it ultimately is a want that for me. I do like this well enough that I say, hey, go for it. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Well, the time is finally here. It's the end of an era for the Warhammer community, and I'm 100% overstating my influence. <laughs> uh, so I have officially let Spiky Bits know that I will not be going back to articles, and um, this is definitely the end of an era. It was... Uh, for me, I'm not saying for the industry, I'm saying for me, um, end of an era for me, because I have been doing articles for about seven years, is how long I did weekly articles for Talk Wargaming, and then Bell of Lost Souls, and then Spiky Bits, and I have, I got into article writing in 2014, and it was very, very popular medium at the time. Um, articles were a huge deal. You would easily get, you know, 30,000 views, an article, things like that. A lot of times they would, I would have so many comments on my articles. I'd have like 300 comments on an article and to the point where they would just shut down. They would usually shut down the comment section around 300. And I guess it got too much to moderate. And uh, it was just... From the get-go, I did not know how long I could keep it up. And I've said this before, but I originally thought, okay, well, I can prob... I probably have four... Probably four articles in me about Warhammer and Warhammer life and all of that. And I have always enjoyed writing in my past. I've always wanted to be a writer, kind of. And um, as a child, I, I wrote many different books and things like that. And it's kind of funny that once I got going, I realized, you know what? I've got way more than just four articles in me. And come to find out, I had uh, roughly 350 articles, roughly. And uh, But what I found over time is that, like with everything, the first times that I ever posted an article, I had legitimate anxiety slash, slash excitement. And I'm talking like butterflies in my stomach, chest tight, because you're like putting yourself out there. And a lot of you probably have never really experienced putting out a creative endeavor. Now, if you've played for a crowd, music, 
or if you've tried stand-up comedy, or if you've written articles, or you've done YouTube videos, or anything like that where you're creating content, you are really putting yourself out there. And it is extremely exciting, and it's a great opportunity to grow as a person and to face your fears, because, you know, public speaking and things like that is one of the biggest fears people have, and this is likened to it. Now, Certainly, I was not up on stage playing music for people. That's like way above writing articles. But still, when you're trying to be funny and you're trying to be clever and you're trying to get people engaged and all that in your in your material, I definitely felt like I was going out on a limb and being exposed. And I do have very, very fond memories. Every single week when my article would post, with bated breath, I'd watch the comments and just watch the comments and refresh and refresh and... And it did not disappoint most days. Um, hundreds of comments back in the day. And it was it was fantastic. And from the get-go, um, I didn't do this for every single comment, but many of my nicest comments and many of my most negative comments, I saved. I would screenshot them and save them in a folder on my flash drive. And I'm sure, as you've all heard me say before, I didn't know how long I could do this, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to keep these little tokens, little mementos. I know I'm not going to be 60 years old and still writing articles. I just know that's not going to happen, whether it's technology or society or just me or, or the game's defunct or whatever, it's just not going to happen. So at some point, I would like some mementos of how people responded to my stuff. And I got to tell you, I was just looking through it, and maybe that's why I'm so nostalgic. I was looking through some of my comments, and yes, I have a whole folder of negative comments, and they're eh, pretty funny because they're really roasting me. But I, it's, I've never really sat down and looked through the folder of positive comments. And oh man, it is, it is a really, really great feeling to go back. And I'm not going to read them for you guys because I know you don't really give a crap. But for me... I'm so happy I had the wherewithal and the foresight to screenshot these because when you're putting yourself out there and when you are being creative and all of that, it really helps to have feedback. And those of you who listen to my podcast and are part of my secret cabal of people that give me feedback on my videos, it's only a handful of you, um you will know that it's extremely helpful to me to find out not only did you find something funny, but how funny it was. And I get feedback from these people each week, and they either say that uh, meh, or humorous, or funny. And funny is like legitimately you laughed. Uh, humorous is like, oh, that's cute sort of thing, and meh is like it just didn't do anything for you. And um, that's very helpful. So all these comments that I've I've done it's proof that people did enjoy what I was doing and that's that's really fantastic now I don't really know I think it was really the decline of the entire medium of articles the reason why because I saw site-wide um all of the comment numbers dwindled all of the views were dwindling everything was was dwindling and it wasn't just mine. Actually, I was I was still uh, me and another guy were the the two top draws for the entire website. So there was no articles that got higher views than us. And even us, where I used to have you know two or three hundred comments easy on a week, to the point where I couldn't even comment on all of them. Uh, towards the end, you know, I'm getting ten 
or 20 comments or five, you know, it's, it's just, it's like there was this peak and I think I was, I, I jumped in probably at the peak and then it just slowly over seven years, it slowly dwindled. And I just kind of, the, the whole reason why I do any of this, uh, the podcast or the YouTube channel or the articles or any of that, even Shorehammer, the reason why I do Shorehammer, um, all of it is to meet people and talk to people and have a conversation and, and all of that. It's just the interaction. And that's the most important part of me. That's why I'm not hyper competitive with the game. I just enjoy spending time with people and hanging out. And if I lose, I lose, whatever. It's really not that big of a concern to me. So those comments that I had uh, taken pictures of are extremely heartwarming. When people are like, oh, Pimpcron, you're so funny, never change. Or I, I've got tons of them that say, you're the best contributor on the site and blah, blah, blah. Um, and of course, that sounds like bragging when you hear me say that. But I mean, that's that's what they say. So whatever. But it means a lot to me. And the reason why I'm not reading them is I know you don't give a crap. But it means a lot to me that people enjoyed what I did. And that speaks to my Patreon um, subscribers. Um, I greatly appreciate it. You guys are saying, hey, we appreciate, we like what you do and we're supporting the show and all of that. So it, uh, it really does mean a lot. When you are a creative person, you put yourself out there and you have proof that people actually like it. The problem is nearly anything that you make, you think to some degree is good but you have no idea how the general population will take it. And many of you probably started or found out about me reading my articles and things like that. Probably not from the podcast, maybe from the podcast. I don't know. But it definitely was a wild ride. And over the years, what's funny is um, I slowly lost interest in writing the articles over seven years as the views dropped. As I was getting less and less and less interaction, I was less and less and less motivated. Now, I always, I did my articles for free, so it's not like I was getting any money for them. But, um, so clearly there was not a monetary uh, goal there, but the interaction with people and all of that is what I really go for. And uh, that's hopefully what I'll be getting on my YouTube channel um, when that, takes off hopefully with all of my sketches and, and comedy and all that so you should go check that out at uh pimcron tv is the channel but anyway uh i had a wild ride doing articles and just i kind of lost interest and then this summer was uh, probably the hardest summer we've ever had for the family business and I, it got to the point where I had to, I had to tell Spikey Bits, look, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't because I'm, I'm working such crazy hours and I have my convention and I have my podcast and I have uh, brutality supplements. I'm constantly working on in my free time. I just have too much going on. So I'm going to stop. And uh, they were totally fine with it. But I said, you know what, let me pick it up in the fall because I really had every intention of still doing it in the fall. But you know, absence doesn't always make the heart grow fonder. And the more I didn't have to do articles anymore, the more I felt so much freer to do other things. And that's when I got the idea for the YouTube channel. And I'm like, you know what? I would really like to do skits. So that's what I've done. And I've I've really had a, a lot of fun with it. I have so many different armies and I own so much terrain because of my convention and all of that, that I can come up with some pretty good you know, sketches and scenes and all of that, and I can more or less make whatever I need. 
So I guess what I'm saying with all this is thank you to all of you. I cannot begin to tell you truly how much it means to me that you guys read my articles and that you enjoyed them and you commented and all of that. And I, I greatly appreciate you even now listening to my podcast or watching my YouTube videos or any of that um, or coming to Shorehammer because that is just, you know, that's what is most important to me in this hobby, I guess, of trying to be entertaining and whatnot. And it's been a wild ride, and I'm so thankful I have all those positive comments and the angry comments to look back on. And I was just looking at those old comments, and I'm like, oh man, all these all these names, like all these names of, of uh, contributors, Domastar and Alaric and... Um, just, just a ton of people, uh, sup pup pup, I think it was. Um, there's a ton of commenters I used to have that were regular commenters. And over the years, they just slowly dwindled. Uh, and it's, it's just interesting how it's, how the whole medium's fallen. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to look and find out. I'm going to do some research myself. Now it's not perfect. It's not necessarily scientific, but I posted my two biggest uh, groups that I'm part of, an Age of Sigmar group and a 40k group, and I asked a poll. I'm like, where do you get most of your information from? Articles, YouTube, you know, the lore, whatever. And I forget the exact number now, but it was like 70% of people get their information from YouTube. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I think I said entertainment, not information. But the point is, is that, uh, so I, I realized, I'm like, wow, YouTube really is the, you know, the visual medium is really what people are going for now. And that explains why all of the articles, articles were like 17% or 20% of the people said that it was articles. So anyway, it was a super fun ride while it lasted. And now I am pretty happy to be done with it. So you don't need to be looking for any of my articles now because there will not be any more articles. I'm focusing purely on What Hammer and the uh, Pimpcron TV and the podcast, and then, of course, Brutality, and, of course, Shorehammer. So that is where you can find me, which is right here. You're doing it right now. Hey, look, you've found me. Um, anyway, it's a very, very nostalgic, very fun chapter in my life, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I just feel like kind of the world changed over time, and, uh, you know, you can only do something for so long anyway before it becomes cumbersome. So, I guess that's it. I guess I've rambled long enough, but I do greatly appreciate you guys listening to my podcast, watching my videos, supporting the channel, all of that. Thank you so much to you guys. You guys and you writing in and all of that, you guys are what makes it worth it. So, and thank you to GameMet.eu. They just renewed their contract with us as a sponsor, and I greatly appreciate them supporting the show as well. So go over to GameMat.eu and spend some money. They're super nice people. I've dealt with them for, gosh, six years now, seven, seven years now, I guess, something like that. So, all right, well, we, oh, remember, Event 10 is 10% off your order, people. All right, I'm letting you go now.